This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I am Jeremy Myers, your teacher for this podcast, as we look at various texts and passages from the Bible, which you might have questions about. Well, if you have a question about a, a, a difficult text or passage from Scripture, just let me know on Facebook or through the comment section of my blog at redeeminggod.com. Send me a tweet on Twitter. I don't know, contact me somehow. There's also a contact form at the bottom of my blog. Just go to redeeminggod.com. Scroll to the very bottom and you'll see a section there where you can contact me. Send me a question of your difficult text that you would like me to try to explain in some future podcast episode. Look forward to seeing what questions you might ask. Now, hey, if you uh, appreciate this podcast, I would love it. And if you would provide some support, obviously prayer, tell other people about it. Uh, but also, if you would like to help cover the costs and expenses and make sure that it continues to get published in the future, I have a new way of donating to the podcast, and that is through PayPal, and you can do that simply on your smartphone. It's very easy. Just text in your donation to PayPal. Send a text to PayPal, P-A-Y-P-A-L, or 729-725, and put two things in the text. One, how much you want to donate, the amount, you know, $10, just put a 10 all right, $20, but two zero, okay? And then you need to also include my email address, and that is donate at redeeminggod.com. All right, so that's donate, D-O-N-A-T-E, the at symbol, so like an email address, and then my website, redeeminggod.com. All right, and then PayPal will take care of the rest. Thank you very, very much. Today we're going to be looking at Galatians 1, 8-9, whether or not we have the right to curse others to hell. Maybe even call other people names, such as heretic. Uh, I've been called a heretic a couple times in my life, and I know that some of you have as well. Some of you are going through this right now, as we've been seeing inside our discipleship group on Facebook. If you're part of that discipleship group, you know that some of our members are experiencing some troubles in their church. Because they want to say that God doesn't go around killing people. Isn't that shocking? Uh, this church is calling certain people, uh, some churches call certain other people a heretic if we say that God doesn't kill people. Uh, I just find it a very shocking and surprising thing to defend uh, and then call people heretics who, who want to say that God is nonviolent. Anyway, we're going to see some more of that today as we look at Galatians 1, 8-9 and what Paul writes there and whether we have the right to curse others to hell. All right, so stick around. That's what we're going to be studying today from Galatians 1, 8, and 9. Now, one important principle when studying the scripture is to read it with a sense of humor. I think sometimes we take the Bible way too seriously. And I don't mean we shouldn't take the Bible seriously. We should. I take the Bible, read the Bible, study the Bible very, very seriously. What I mean, though, is to read it with a sense of humor. God created the sense of humor, which he gives to us uh, humans, and I think that humor is a divine attribute as well, to some degree. Uh, uh, God is, is uh, he, he's a humorous God, all right? Uh, you look at the platypus, for example. 
Uh, only God could create something that looks that, that silly and that ridiculous, uh, and yet still serves a function in God's creation. So it's the same with true with Scripture. I, I often find that there are some portions of Scripture that uh, make a whole lot more sense when we realize that God or Jesus or the other inspired author, whoever it might be, in the case of Paul today, when we look at Galatians 1, uh, is writing or saying this with a little smirk on their face or a, a, a sparkle in their eye, okay? A little smile, on, you know, peeking up at the corners of their mouth or something. And that's going to help us understand Galatians 1, 8, 9 as well. I first discovered this many years ago when I was studying the parables of Jesus in the Gospels, and I read a book called, let's see, what was the name of that? The Humor of Christ, I believe it was, by, I think the author was Ronald Youngblood, but I'm reaching way back into the dusty portions of my mind right now, so I'm not quite sure. But anyway, he tells a story when he was having family devotions with his children, and he was reading the story in the Gospels about Jesus and where Jesus says that if you want to help a brother with this, uh, you know, who's in sin with the speck in their eye, that you should take the plank out of his own eye. And he was reading this, this author, very, very seriously with his family devotions. And he says his younger son of about seven or eight just started laughing. He's like, son, settle down. This is family devotions. This is serious business. And the little boy said, dad, <laughs> don't you see? It's funny. Just imagine the picture there of a guy with the little tweezers or whatever he is, you know, trying to take some invisible speck out of somebody else. Meanwhile, he's got a log jutting out from his face. It's a very, very humorous picture. And the author, again, I think it was Ronald Youngblood, he said that that began his journey of understanding that many of the parables of Jesus including many of the other passages throughout the Bible, uh, including many of the things Paul himself has written, make a whole lot more sense when we recognize that there's a little bit of humor involved in them. Okay? I think you might remember, if you listened to some of the podcast episodes that we did on Genesis, we pointed out some of those on our way through the story of Genesis. For example, this whole idea of Adam and Eve, after they sinned, covering themselves with fig leaves. All right, they had just thought that they were going to gain the wisdom of God, and the first thing they do is cover themselves with fig leaves, uh, which are very scratchy and itchy and could not have been the most comfortable of clothing that they could have possibly chosen with all of this newfound divine wisdom that they achieved by eating that forbidden fruit. So it's very humorous there, uh, a picture there in Genesis 3. All right, and we saw a lot of this as well as we studied to the story of Jonah. Lots of humor in the story of Jonah. Anyway, it's going to be helpful for us when we study Galatians 1, 8, and 9 to recognize that as well. Now, what we have here in Galatians 1, 8, and 9 is where Paul calls down an anathema on any person or teacher who presents a different gospel than the one that he is presenting, all right, to the, to the Christians in Galatia. And Paul is so emphatic about this, he says it not once, but twice. And uh, so what was happening is Paul had been to Galatia, and he had preached to them the gospel of free grace, that eternal life is given to anyone and everyone who simply and only believes in Jesus for it, all right? Uh, works are not required to gain your eternal life to keep your eternal life, or even to prove that you have eternal life. It's by grace, through faith, from first 
to last. Okay, and so uh, Paul had taught that to the Galatians, but after Paul left, some teachers had come into Galatia and started teaching another gospel that did involve works, and especially the work of circumcision. All right, and so now Paul is writing a letter to the Galatians, and uh, and he is uh, announcing an anathema. Uh, a translation to that might be accursed. Okay, a curse on on anybody who preaches something different than what he t- teaches. Okay, and so uh, people read this today and they say, "See, see, Paul cursed or uh, pronounced an anathema on people who are preaching a different gospel." And so, if someone comes along and they're teaching something different than what you know, is on our church doctrinal statement, then we can curse them. We can call them a heretic. We can point the finger at them and say that they are under the influence of the devil, that they're believing and teaching doctrines of demons, and we can consign them, condemn them to eternal hell, you know, separated from God from all eternity because they are under the anathema. They are accursed by God. And when we say, yeah, I'm not sure that behavior is so Christ-like and loving, they point to passages like Galatians 1, 8, 9, say, see, Paul did it, therefore we can too. They might even turn to passages like Matthew 24, where Jesus, uh, he has some harsh words for the religious leaders of his day as well, this whole passage about being whitewashed tombs and all that, okay? So anyway, uh, we'll deal with Matthew 24 at another time. Let's just deal with this this passage here, Galatians 1, 8, 9, where Paul does pronounce this anathema on those who are teaching something different. So what did Paul mean in Galatians 1, 8, 9 when he announced this anathema? Well, what we're going to see is uh, we're going to understand why Paul states this anathema twice in these verses, and based on that, why we can never, ever, ever curse or condemn people who disagree with us, right? Why? Because that's not what Paul is doing either. All right, so uh, Galatians 1, 8, and 9, obviously we need the context. Uh, but again, just to give, go back to how I started, if you want to understand what Paul is saying, you need to realize that he's writing these words with a smirk on his lips, all right? A little half smile and a wink, <laughs> All right, that is the attitude, the perspective that Paul is writing about. Why? How do we know that? Well, again, it goes back to this concept of circumcision, right? If you read Galatians with the idea that Paul is writing with a somewhat uh, sort of sarcastic, uh, ironic uh, tone of voice, all right, then then this, this passage, in fact, the whole letter of Galatians is going to make a whole lot more sense for you. And by the way, the explanation, well, it's PG-13 related, uh, rated here, so um, PG-13 rated. So if you have little children in the car uh, or surrounding, you might want to save the rest of this podcast for another time or maybe put on some headphones or something like that, okay? I am going to be talking about the male organ that is involved in the right of circumcision, okay? Just just to give you a little heads up here on, on where we're headed and why it's PG-13. I will, okay, so that's what we'll be, we'll be going on here. So um, let's begin by looking at a later curse. That's going to help us. As Paul closes out sort of his argument here in Galatians 5.12, Paul states his wish that though these teachers who have come into Galatia, who are teaching the necessary requirement of circumcision, okay, Paul says that he wishes these teachers would just go ahead and emasculate themselves entirely. 
Okay? Paul's writing a theological satire here. He doesn't really want them to do that. But the teachers in Galatia were arguing that if the, if the Christians there really wanted to please and obey God, that they needed to get circumcision. Right? They were saying, faith in Jesus isn't enough. You also have to get circumcised if you want God to love you and accept you and be happy with you. Okay? So Paul takes this argument of these teachers and takes it to the extreme. Okay? With a little smirk on his lips, he says, okay, and here comes the PG-13 part, Paul is basically saying, if God is happy with men when they cut a little bit of skin off their penis... <laughs> then God will be even more happy if men just go ahead and cut the whole thing off. <laughs> okay? That is Paul's theological point. It's a joke. He's being sarcastic, ironic. It's satire. All right? Only Paul can use a penis to make a theological point. But what exactly was the point that Paul was making in Galatians? Well, there's three things that will help you understand Paul's point in Galatians, then also Paul's point here at the opening of his letter when he talks about this anathema on those who are teaching another gospel. So uh, what are these three points? The first is to recognize that throughout the book of Galatians, Paul is using a euphemism for the male sexual organ, and the, and, uh, the, the, the imagery, the term is the flesh. Okay, uh, the flesh is sarx in Greek, which is equivalent to basar in Hebrew. And you might remember from our podcast on Genesis when Adam says, "Bona by mode and flesh of my flesh." Right when he when he sees Eve, the woman, for the first time. Okay, we talked about that and how this was a euphemism there as well. Uh, and uh, that's this that's the similar terminology that Paul is using here. Okay, uh, in Hebrew, basar was was a, a, a phrase to describe. It was a euphemism. Let's just leave it at that, okay? And it's very similar in English today. You might hear people in their some of their course conversations might be talking about man meat or man flesh, something like that, okay? Uh, it's pretty common, universally common to uh, re to have these euphemisms for the male sexual organ in that way, okay? So as Paul writes about the flesh all the way through Galatians, that's what he has in mind, okay? It's a little smirk, a little smile, on his face as he talks about this, this deal with the circumcision. He's like, come on, guys. <laughs> you really want to talk about cutting a little piece off your flesh? All right, fine. Let's deal with this and, and, and see how important it really is to God, okay? That's the first thing to recognize as you go all the way throughout. Now, related to that then, uh, Paul is pointing back to where all of this teaching and discussion uh, about the flesh, circumcising the flesh came from. And of course, it goes all the way back to the Mosaic law and the command there for all of the men to be circumcised. And there's a whole history here which we could get into, and I just want to make two points here, these last two points that are going to help us. One of them is that Paul wants the reader to remember uh, this hill uh, that we read about in Joshua 5, three through seven, where after all of the people had been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, before they entered the land of Canaan, Joshua rounded them all up and said, okay, none of you guys have been wandering around for the last 40 years here in the wilderness have been circumcised. So in order to be in right standing with God, we all need to be circumcised. All of us men, all you men, okay, need to get circumcised. And you might remember there were millions 
of Israelites at that time. And so, you know, even if it was only 1 million, we're talking about roughly 500,000 men. Just imagine the, the, the gruesome picture of all of those pieces of flesh piling up in a pile as they all went past the priest and had the little snip snip. Okay, and so Joshua 5, 7 says, basically says there were so many that there was Gibeath Heraloth, the hill of foreskins. All right, and just it's a, a gruesome, but also somewhat, well, not exactly a humorous picture, but still, it's sort of what Paul is referring to a little bit in here. And we remember that while the Hill of Foreskins at that time put them into the place where they thought they were now right with God, we have a different hill, which puts us in a right relationship with God, and that is Golgotha, not Gibeath Herloth but Golgotha, where where Jesus Christ died for us. Okay, We don't need a hill of foreskins anymore because we have Golgotha, the hill of the cross, Okay, the place of the skull, as it is sometimes referred to. Okay, So that's the second thing to think about, uh, this sort of uh, imagery that Paul is referring to here as he goes through Galatians. The third and final thing also goes back to this whole Joshua thing, entering into Canaan. One of the reasons that they needed to do this before they went into Canaan is because back then they operated under a us versus them mentality, insiders versus outsiders. The Jewish people viewed that they were the chosen people of God, they were the insiders, they were on God's good side, and everybody else was outside. Everybody else was under God's uh, hatred, judgment. Everybody else was under God's curse, his anathema. Right? Um, it was harem in Hebrew, the ban, the curse. Okay? And so as they went into Canaan, their job, their task was to kill everybody in the promised land who was different, who was under God's curse, under harem, under anathema. All right? And uh, by the way, this goes back to this whole idea that I mentioned earlier on about God. You know, is God violent? Did God command them to do this? And I will eventually be coming out with a book. I sort of provide a basic answer in my books, uh, The Atonement of God, and my other book, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. But I I am working on a book. It's about one-third of the way written right now where I actually look more in-depth at some of these violent texts in in the Bible as well. And one of them, of course, is uh, the, the conquest of Canaan, which we read about in the book of Joshua. Uh, so, um, and we'll be we'll be getting a better explanation then when that book comes out. But the point is, back then, people believed that God did put everybody under a curse, under anathema, under harem, who wasn't following the Mosaic law, who wasn't circumcised. All right? And so, uh, we get these three ideas together. The flesh, the hill of foreskins, this harem, anathema, curse, the ban— And you put all of those ideas together to help us understand what Paul is writing about in Galatians. And and the bottom line is this. Paul is saying, okay, guys, you teachers in Galatia who want to force people to be circumcised in order to truly please God and get on God's good side, if that is what you want, well, first of all, you might as well just go emasculate yourselves if you think that cutting skin off of your man flesh is going to make you pleasing to God. Boy, be really pleasing to God and just cut the whole thing off, okay, first. But he says, even aside from that, okay, all right, I know you guys aren't really saying that, aren't really doing that. God didn't really command that. Fine. Okay, and here's Paul's argument. Do you really want to go back 
to that system, that time where there was an us versus them, where there was insiders and outsiders, where some people were loved by God and other people were hated by God. Okay, He's saying to live that way is to live under the curse, the curse of sin, to live separated from God. Paul's whole point in Galatians, and especially he makes this point in Ephesians, well, in all of his letters, really, <laughs> Romans and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, okay? Paul's whole point is that Jesus Christ has come and he's broken down all these man-made, religious, dividing walls of separation, okay, that we humans construct to decide who God loves and who God hates. And Jesus came along and he tore all that down. And he said, there is no more dividing wall between God and man, or even between man and man. Okay, we're all one. We're all insiders. We're all forgiven. We're all loved. We're all accepted okay, by God. No, I'm not a universalist. <laughs> uh, that, that's a topic for another time again. All right. Uh, but, but that is the message that Paul is talking about in Ephesians and elsewhere, and also here in Galatians. And so Paul is basically saying, look, you really want circumcision to be the sign, the evidence, the proof that you've been accepted by God? He says to go back to that system is to put yourself and everybody else under a curse, right? Under the curse of the law, under an anathema, harem, the ban. And he says, you don't want that. I don't want that. Nobody wants that. Instead, let's follow the way of Jesus, the way of love and acceptance and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And indeed, that is exactly how Paul ends the letter to Galatians. He closes out his letter with a call for peace and mercy. That's Galatians 6.16. A little bit earlier, he said that we should do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. Galatians 6.10. Paul is not going to end his letter to the Galatians with this blessing and begin it with a curse on some who are on the household of faith. Okay? He doesn't begin his letter with a curse and then end it with a blessing. No, it's a blessing all the way through. So all he sees at this beginning stage of Galatians, all he's writing at the beginning stage of Galatians here to these teachers is sort of the natural consequences of their own teachings if they are going to follow down that path. Oh, you want to be circumcised? You want to separate the world between the insiders and outsiders? That way just leads to anathema, to curse, to war and division and strife and anger. And that's not the way of Jesus. So he writes the rest of Galatians to encourage the people in Galatia and ourselves also away from that sort of thinking and into the thinking that looks and acts just like Jesus Christ. All right, so that is sort of how to understand this curse, this anathema passage at the beginning of the letter to the Galatians. It does not give us the right or the permission to pronounce a curse upon others. This is exactly the opposite. Paul is saying that if you're going to divide the world between those who obey the law and those who don't, between those who are circumcised and those who don't, between those who are baptized and those who aren't, right? between the insiders and the outsiders, us versus them, he says that way leads only to death, to anathema, to being cursed. And that is not the way of Jesus. That is not the way of God. It is not the way of Scripture. Choose a different way. 
And then Paul makes that point all the way throughout Galatians. He uses sarcasm, humor, even some sexual innuendos to point out the error of that way of thinking. So don't fall into that way of thinking yourself. Okay? See what we see in Jesus. He never condemns, never accuses. Satan is the accuser, not Jesus. He doesn't cast the first stone, even though he's the only one who could have. He always forgives, redeems, helps, rescues, restores. That's the way we can be as well. I hope this helps you understand this passage in Galatians 1. By the way, it comes from my online course, The Gospel Dictionary. In that course, I look at 52 keywords of the gospel, and one of them is accursed or anathema. And I look at a couple places in the New Testament that contains this word, and obviously Galatians 1, 8 and 9 is one of them, and that's why uh, this is sort of a, a, a variation on what I teach in that lesson in the Gospel Dictionary online course. And you can take that course when you join my online discipleship group. You not only get the courses when you do that, but also access to the secret Facebook group. Only those who are part of the online discipleship group get to join that Facebook group. And we've had some great discussions in there, helping each other with some of our uh, questions and issues, even issues with life. All right, as people are going through difficulties with their marriage or their kids or with their church or uh, just understanding what God is doing, okay, we, we get to talk about these and, and help one another in that Facebook group. So you're invited. Just go to redeeminggod.com slash join and uh, then, then pick between the options there. Right now there's a promotion going on where when you join the faith level, you get the first month free to try it out. If you join the hope level, then you get two months free. All right, and when, when you pay for the whole year at one time. All right, so anyway, and then of course, once you're in, you take all the courses for free. So hope to see you there. It's a great group. You're invited. Can't wait to see you on the inside. <laughs> all right, talk to you later. Bye.